Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. I went to Chicago. I inspired him to go to Chicago. That's the only reason you're there. I'm cool. I'm a trendsetter. What's up, dude? (laughs) I'm in a basement, and it's nice and cool down here, and I've heard it's hot where you are, Um, so everything's good. Everything is good indeed, man. Uh, So we're going to get to the big news, kind of more of a reactionary breaking news edition of the podcast. Uh, A couple hours later, of course, DeAndre Ayton not only received an offer sheet from a team, he agreed to an offer sheet from a team, then he signed an offer sheet from a team, and then the Suns matched that offer sheet from the team in the span of five hours. uh, There is... I learned this while we were on the show because I was on Burns and Gambo, Kevin, and I tried to write a column during it. Remember when I did that during the 2018 draft and blacked out? Same thing. And like, I tried to do that and my body was like, no, <laughs> no, you, you got to do that once. This is actually really, so I tried to write it between breaks and it was, it was tough, but it, that coupled with um, having a radio show with 16 segments, we couldn't even get to everything to unpack from this just in terms of what it means and and everything from going forward. So we're going to keep it pretty simple. And I'm sure we are going to end the podcast here and have a couple more layers to hit on next week. So we will do that once Kevin is back from Chicago, Uh, but we are fortunate enough to have him on with us. And I should ask buddy, you were the one who was saying on the air more than anyone else that you thought there was a pretty decent chance DA was back. So what was your initial reaction just to how all of this news unfolded and what you kind of took away from it? I mean, I was disconnected to a pretty great degree. So I get alerts and I see they Pacers offer him the max, which they didn't have space for. We kind of knew that um, they wave a few guys and they get there. So I thought maybe just because we knew the Suns didn't want to offer them the max. Okay, uh, that puts the Suns. I called it a pickle for them because now they're faced with this thing that they didn't want to do. But when you think about it and you see that they did match it very quickly, I mean, it it makes complete sense that they operate in the shadows, right? We know that they save not a lot of millions per year, but a significant amount when you consider luxury tax things. And, And then when you look back at like whether you pay him back then or now, does it really matter? And so I think when it comes down to it, you save money. And now the big question for me is honestly, like, how upset is he with your organization that you didn't want to offer it? Do you go and say to him, like, dude, we were just trying to do the best thing for the organization. Does he take that well? Um, Does he take it like, why didn't you just pay me then? So I think that's my biggest question. And Again, to, to kind of answer that, he played when he got denied the max and he played pretty well for most of the year. Um, so honestly, it's not a huge concern for me, but it, it's a very interesting way that they operated. And I'll take it back to their Gladstone negotiation. I think that went into like August. It went longer than this as far as the restricted free agents. So to me, 
there's kind of now a precedent for how at least the guy with the who says yes or no to the money things um, operates in these scenarios. And beyond that, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming this summer. I don't know what's coming the next year with DeAndre Ayton, whether he's just good and is going to play basketball and all that stuff. But yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Let me read you a thread from uh, Steve Jones, of course, of, of the Dunker Spot uh, with Nikias. Uh, excellent podcast. We're going to listen to it. Uh, he had a thread on DA. Then uh, this is from like someone watching from a national perspective, to be clear, of like who, like the kind of lens we're getting. He put hashtag respectfully messy. This is all with like tongue in cheek and, and, and being funny. In quotes, congrats, man. You really went out and found it. We got you. Come on back. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, the end of the season is the only thing that sticks out for me, but thought bubble slash hindsight wonders if the Suns knew they were going to match. If protocol was, we're not doing it until we have to, I don't know. Aiden wasn't sure and felt a way about it. When and got it, they matched. There's some healing that has to take place because it really didn't have to be all that it was, but there's a base there and that cloud has less rain than a few months ago. There's a toxic relationship element to it. One side deleted all their pictures and started quoting song lyrics. The other side remained silent. Four weeks later, happy picture in the sun. I don't know how or why, but waves arms wildly. It, that was a really good, I thought Steve put that really, really well while being kind of humorous in the middle of it in terms of just, okay, does this um, affect DeAndre's, not even his relationship with the front office, Kevin, I don't think it has to be that, it, it, it shouldn't be that simple, but I don't think that really matters as much. I think it matters no. more on his thoughts on the organization affecting the way that he views his teammates, his team, and, and so on and so forth, because I've said, I said on this podcast a number of times that I thought if I had to pick one side that he was gone and I only got more and more certain by the, by the coming weeks, he is indeed back. And I was wrong on that accord, but beyond that, there was a, there was reasoning why a lot of people thought that he was gone. And and it's not just me, the person who watches this team operate the way they do every day, reads everything everyone says, listens to everything everyone says, and so on. It, It just goes to show that there was some value obviously in, in keeping him, but also just they put themselves in the situation to be in restricted free agency. And I just always wondered what the risk reward element of that was. And that entire notion like risk reward, that was as far as my brain got in terms of, okay, there's the two designated player max exceptions. Like you, either have two of them on your team at once, uh, which they still have only one in Devin Booker, so they can acquire that second guy still if it happens to be someone. We mentioned Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum months ago. Um, or the other way I didn't think about it until today, Kevin, like trading DeAndre Ayton in, in the same way teams are running into hurdles with the Kevin Durant sweepstakes because of Ben Simmons being on that team. You can only acquire one of them. You cannot acquire two guys on that rookie scale. So that was the only other logical thinking that I got from that exercise in October, besides the fact that they would be saving money off their luxury tax bill. And the number one reaction there, Kevin, is, oh, they're being cheap. Well, if they're being cheap, Kevin, in a way where it benefits them this season in terms of what they're able to do from a basketball operations standpoint and adding players, then that's fine. If they're going to use their taxpayer mid-level exception, If they are going to make more trades here to make the team better and make trades in a way that will make them pay more money on the luxury tax bill, the grand example of this, of course, is Kevin Durant, who we'll get to, 
And then the one that I thought of with three minutes left on our show, Kevin, Cam Johnson and his extension. Yeah. Like, okay. If the four thirty, the four for one thirty three, and five one seventy five is the difference between keeping Cam Johnson on an extension or potentially losing him, then you do that, even if it upsets DeAndre. That is completely understandable on that notion alone. Just that one. So we're gonna have to wait and see. And 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 I think obviously the main takeaway to go back to what you said is just how okay is DeAndre with how everything happened, and then beyond that, Kevin, how okay is he with maintaining the role that he had? Um, because you're not going to believe this, Kevin, but people didn't understand what we were talking about when we talked about red flags surrounding DeAndre and everyone thought we were conducting a smear campaign because I'm paid by Robert Sarver to do so, Kevin. I don't know if you've heard the news, big developments (laughs) while you're away on vacation. Bernsey and I played quotes from training camp. You'll remember the ones we talked about where DeAndre was open about his role for the first time in a way we weren't used to hearing him say and there were just a couple of ways he answered questions on, in, in that whole week that led you to believe, didn't lead you to believe, just pretty much assured you that there is a disagreement with DeAndre and the team in terms of how he is used. Because how DeAndre yeah. was talking about being used then did not happen over the course of the season, which we played on the program to show maybe there were signs here all along that DeAndre and the Suns had disagreements, not red flags about his game. But, of course, Robert Sarver paid me to say that, Kevin, so that's why I said it. Um, so it, that long-winded kind of thing, Kevin, to cover the 14 points, and we have 77 more to go, so I hope you're cozy in the basement, um, yeah. is my way of just kind of saying, John Drain is a really good basketball player. The Suns should have wanted to bring him back in the first place, just to make that completely clear from my perspective. But if there's internal – Again, that's internal, the the spat at the end of game seven. If there's carryover from that, or if that was like the like lighting the match, you know, in terms of like the unsettled way that DeAndre potentially felt, speculating, speculating, speculating. There's a lot to me that could potentially go wrong from our vantage point, at least. And it's more important what they know internally. But that's why I'm surprised that he's back. I'm just surprised because I thought yeah. that they would sign and trade him because it just seemed like for a myriad of reasons, it didn't it didn't make sense. But they have a really good player who I believe is the fifth best center in basketball right now. And he's only 23 years old back on their team. And as long as he's cool with that, and as long as the Suns are cool with expanding his role like he deserves, then gravy. We're all good here, Kev. Yeah. Oh, you hit a two good points. One. I will sound like I'm paid by Robert Sarver, even though I think I criticized him earlier, like five minutes ago, but they played it well and it looks good right now. Right. Because regardless of its money being cheap, um, you put it correctly in that if that allows you to keep Cam Johnson, you think Cam Johnson's the guy you think he is great. Um, If you look at the Mikel situation, um, that contract, regardless of what happened this summer, with DeAndre or whether you pay DeAndre, the Mikel contract is boatloads very much more valuable to me from a money compared to what you're paying for standpoint. And that's where it's like, we got to get this deal done because that doesn't, that allows you still to go get Kevin Durant. Like if we're looking right now and I know that's like hindsight, you say, Oh, well the nuts don't want DeAndre. You're just saying that and taking advantage. Well, it's working out. Like Mikel is still the, most valuable contract on this team to me and I guess outside book 
Um, but from a value perspective, arguably even that one. Um, so you're still in this position where it's not attached to going and getting that star still. And the rookie max designation doesn't really apply because you can just go do it still. Um, yeah. So I think the Suns should get a ton of credit for letting this work out. Look, it's almost possible the Pacers were like, should we offer him the $27 million starting point and not waive all these dudes and just see if the Suns will bite there? But they were apparently afraid enough where they waived a bunch of dudes, and I don't think they can get them back. I could be wrong on that. Um, I'm interested, by the way, you mentioned that. I'm interested to see if Indiana did anything spicy. We don't know yet. Did they poison pill anything? Did they do anything nutty? We don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know how they can really do anything super surprising. So to me, the fact that the Suns matched it new, obviously they know what they're doing. And I, I give them a lot of credit for that. It, it looks good right now. Um, and whether you like us as editors are talking about DA, when you can trade him, when he's allowed to say you can trade me and all that stuff, which is a year. Um, we're saying that because we're not sure, right? But I, I still think it's a good move on all accounts right now. But you, the other point that I think you hit on perfectly was it is related to what I said about his relationship, but it is how they use him. And that's, okay, if you say he's the fifth best center in the NBA, you say his age, you see what skills he has, and you just can't, we know who he is. We don't need to go over that, but he can get better. Um, people usually, especially centers, and we talk about bigs getting better until they're, you know, 30 even. Um, I think that's really important to consider here. And the Suns have to allow him to do that, right? They can't just say, you're rim rolling big. We're not going to expand your role. Um, and to be honest, like there were flashes when guys were injured where they did test out, like, okay, let's run the offense a little through DeAndre. And I think he showed enough where he should still get more and more. I don't know what that looks like exactly and how it fits in this offense. Because again, we talked about how great this offense look looks in five out. Like, do you, do you let him shoot threes more? Is that something you should do? Probably. Like you, you got to expand his game more. So I think that's part of the relationship talks, right? Having that discussion with him, how can we expand your game? You're so efficient, but if you're shooting threes, um, even if you're less efficient, that might be better for our ball club. Like you got to ask those questions and have them with him and what you want to do and, and mend those maybe red flags or whatever you want to call them. So I think that's the next step with him. Um, and again, it doesn't matter whether you think he's going to be traded or not because you want your player to get better. And I'm sure Monty Williams is a guy who doesn't think about like, maybe we will trade DA down the road. Like, us as editors who are skeptical of things are looking at it right now. Um, you want him to get better because then you can trade him even, um, or you want him to get better because he's a piece of your future. Either way, you want him to get better. So how do they do that? Yeah, I just worry. One part that I worry about is just from uh, signing him right now and, and thinking about trading him in the future. I've been saying this on the air a lot, and I don't know if we've had this like philosophical basketball discussion before, but I believe trading an integral part of your team at the trade deadline for other pieces or, or doing the opposite where you acquire said integral piece like the Sixers did with Harden last year. 
I don't really think it's possible to win a championship that year. I think that so many team dynamics change that it would have to be such a incredible improvement from like a fit and play standpoint and quality of play for that to really occur. I know there are teams that make moves at the trade deadline and win championships, but I'm talking like the two, three, four most important players on the team. And we know that DeAndre's in that category, even if they get Kevin Durant, hypothetically, let's say, and he's on the team, right? Like he's still one of the most important players on the team. And and that's where you start to look at, okay, trading him. And, and now do you trade also, him? To... Go ahead. Can I point out, um, Adam Silver made a point where he was like, I don't really like players like Kevin Durant signing like four year deals and then asking for a trade. Um, Kevin Durant's doing that and has having trouble getting moved right now. So I don't even know how like if it's even a discussion once da well he's already done it they've matched like who's gonna go give up a boatload of stuff for him now if it's one player who's philosophically the sun's really like but it's gonna be disappointing i think so i think it's just a really weird situation where we've talked about this with book in the past it's like i don't think you can trade a guy with like four years and massive money on his deal that easily like even if he's pretty good Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that sentiment. And then just also that to kind of continue on the point there, just like signing him from a value perspective for that, like you have to, like the the match not match question, like you had to match. You, You just had to. Again, my problem is if you're matching with the intention, like one of your primary intention, like you'll see it out, obviously, and if he improves and you get more out of him and you're, you're getting more of what you were looking for when you didn't sign him to five for 175. Um, then great. You've got your guy, but if like hesitations continue to grow, you could have just avoided this entire thing by having him already on a deal where you could have traded him already. You know what I mean? So I'm operating. And I think what I learned today with how everyone was reacting in my sphere of Twitter is that there were people under the mindset that he was gone and there were people under the mindset that he was staying like, and both sides were rather emphatic in how they felt about that. And that really drastically affected the way that people reacted to the news, including me, to be honest, because I wrote that column mostly just around the centered around the fact that it didn't seem like he was long for here. And so you just made things so much tougher on yourselves. And that's where we'll transition into Kevin Durant because my first reaction when that came in was that was was uh, was first of all just like going back to October and not giving him the five for one seventy five, but then second of all, intertwined with that is just the Kevin Durant sweepstakes and how is this happening costing you Kevin Durant? And I don't think I've said that out loud anywhere on the radio yet, or, or said that anywhere like in a written piece. I don't I don't know. Really strong indications from Gambo when we had him on at 2.30, Kevin, that the Suns are not out of the Kevin Durant sweepstakes by any means just because this uh, amount of asset that they could include in the deal, whether it was DeAndre and to Brooklyn, which has been ruled out a bunch, so it was more like DeAndre and going to Team X and Team X giving Brooklyn assets Y, Z, A, B, C, and so on that the Suns would be able to use along with their assets to push a deal over the top. I just wonder now if the Suns can actually give up enough. And, and the, the discussion that we had, Kevin Moore, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because Bernsey and I talked about this a ton, is, okay, you give up Kevin Durant or you get Kevin Durant, 
you had to include DeAndre's salary in there. His salary helped it work a lot. So now in a one-for-one situation, I don't know how like a third team, fourth team getting involved, that would have to be, you'd have to get extremely lucky to be in a situation where you don't have to do what I'm setting up right now, which is gutting your roster, which is what we've used that exact word gutting because that's what Gambo's reported the Suns and James Jones are not interested in doing with the Kevin Durant trade. But now you got to give up Mikael Bridges. You got to give up Cam Johnson from a value standpoint alone. And then you got to dig into at least one of the guys making the mid level, which is Crowder, Sarge, or Shamit. Now, are those guys super integral to the rotation next year? I think Crowder is. I think Dario becomes a lot less important now with, with the center rotation. I think that he is certainly a name to keep an eye on now. With that in mind, you look at Shamit again, not really, but I'm saying these are assets now, including the picks and the pick swaps that you would like to use in other deals to improve your team further. And now you're just going to have to put them in the Durant deal to make up for the fact that Aiden's back on your team. So that is where I wonder if the Suns are still in this. And of course, Kevin, the only thing that matters is how much Kevin Durant is willing to push this thing to come to Phoenix if he is, because I was very optimistic on the last episode that I just thought it was a matter of we're between Phoenix and Brooklyn now. But now Phoenix is offering a lot less, I, I believe, to the point where Brooklyn should start considering other teams, even though those other teams weren't offering them their multiple all-stars, a million first-round picks they were looking for. I think they'll recircle now. And that is where I wonder if the Suns are going to come up short. And if they came up short, Kevin, then uh, they, they, they done screwed up this whole thing. Because then if Aiden would have been signed on the deal last year, he would have just been included in this deal. Again, a third team would have taken and you would have gotten Kevin Durant. We won't know the answer to that question even after Kevin Durant gets traded, maybe. But I think we can um, have an inkling of it. What's your read on it, though? What's your read on just like how willing the Suns would be able to get in the Kevin Durant trade now that the package is different? And if Brooklyn is enticed by it, I guess. I don't think it matters. I honestly think it's better now um, because if they didn't want KD, and I know that's an, like something we knew. Um, yeah. If the Nets didn't want Aiden, then it doesn't really change anything. But now you look at, okay, if I'm rolling out, because before it was like, if we have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, now it's, we have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, and Kevin Durant. And to me, that's one more like really good piece where depth is kind of less important and you have to fill less. Um, the, and that's, again, because we knew the Nets didn't want Aiden supposedly on that kind of contract. Um, now, the Bobby Marks put out the, a very pretty trade where Indiana got Aiden, Suns got KD and gave up Mikel too. And that would have looked great and worked for a lot of different teams. Um, that was a good thing he put out there on trades we'd like to see, I believe. But to me now, it, it doesn't really change anything. And, and honestly, like, if you look at it, I always thought they had to give up Mikel. I always thought they had to give up Cam Johnson. And if you bring Aiden back, that kind of lessens the blow of giving up more of your role players like Crowder, Sharich. So I don't know. I don't think it really takes an asset away from what they had other than the three-team deals and that kind of thing getting done. Um, 
And and I, I always thought they were banking on it not being connected. And to me, that's the big thing here is we have to do what makes us the best team. The best team at this moment was trading away some savings <laughs> to not mm-hmm. lose a really good player for nothing. And so you worry about the next step when you worry about it. And you, you can't you can't throw everything away just to be able to sign Kevin Durant. And just from a money perspective, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal either. Um, they're going to have to pay a lot either way. So they'll figure it out if it's there. And again, it, it does matter. We know that piece of information, I guess. But to me, yeah, it, it doesn't really change much. Yeah, I was saying on the air uh, last week, that I pretty much thought if Aiden comes back, it rules out Kevin Durant for all the reasons that I talked about before getting to the tax bill, which of course it would get bigger, Kevin, but I think you're right with like, we're thinking about Kevin Durant and a huge deal. And it's like, well, they're giving up a certain amount of salary. So it's not like it's going to get incredibly like bigger. Like you're not adding a $40 million salary to your luxury tax bill. <laughs> like that, that's not how it works. Like you're, you're giving up a certain amount. So it's going to get bigger, but I thought it was going to get too big to the point where they would, where they would go with it along with like the team building concerns. But then Kevin, when I kind of thought about it while you were talking and like, let's just do a hypothetical exercise really quick. You've got now, now that Deandre Aiden is in the mix, that's the important part. Like you mentioned. So we've got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Deandre Aiden. We've got, do you want to call it wing X as the starter? Do you just want to call him wing X? Corey Craig. Let's call him Tory Craig. Sure, that's five guys. We've got the backup center. I'm just going to say the backup center. We'll just say Bismack Biombo right now. That's that's six guys. You've got Campaign as the backup point guard. That's seven guys. You have uh, I'll call him Ball Handler X since Tory Craig is actually filling in. That's eight guys. Is that cool (laughs) is that is that that gravy so the the eight would be paul booker craig durant and again craig can be like any wing in this situation don't blow your mid-level dennis Schroeder is out there is he i don't know he sure is and they should be using that taxpayer (laughs) mid-level exception on him or someone soon if they don't use that like goodness gracious that's back in line with what we're talking about paul booker whoever the wing is durant ayton Schroeder, we'll just throw Schroeder in there right now as, as the other ball handler. Payne, so that's seven. And then your backup center, who I am going to just call Bismack Biombo for now because Dario Sarge in the trades and stuff, like, I don't know, eight. And yeah. then the same thing, Shamit, is he the ninth guy? I, I don't know. Like, is he involved in the trades? I don't know. And then you just need a ninth guy, which is a Koji or Lee. And then you're, you're chilling. It's kind of feasible. Yeah got to survive injuries and stuff but is that better than not having Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Chris Paul? I don't know. <laughs> like that's what's enticing to me now when you think about it and I just ran it through trade machine. You can do Bridges, Johnson and any one of Crowder, yeah. Shamit, Charge. So we forget like we we're being all complicated about stuff and now we don't have to worry about the weird sign and trade stuff. So it's just straight cash for cash. Um, I don't know. It's it's more just like, what do the Nets really want to do? Do they want to honor his wishes? Do they want to take less? Do they want to hold out and piss him off? 
Um, that's what's going to get really fun. No, it's not going to be fun for you as, as you do daily radio shows continually, but yay. <laughs> um, do you agree with my sentiment that replacing Mikel Bridges and a hypothetical DeAndre or uh, Kevin Durant is a lot easier when you have DeAndre on the back line? Like I worried about them being like a top 15 defense with no DeAndre and no uh, Mikel, but yeah. I think having DeAndre back there is a huge part of this too, from a replacing Mikel standpoint, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one or the other. It's kind of like the football, like, do you want the edge rushers? Do you want the cornerbacks? You'd love to have both. Um, but if you have none, you're in real trouble. And yeah, I, I completely agree that you survive some stuff and I know Katie's not, you know, going to be wanting or should lock down the perimeter defenders every time. But I mean, that's why the Akoji Damian Lee stuff was interesting to me because it kind of looked like we're getting prepared to replace Mikel Bridges, to be honest. And it, it still looks like that. That is how I read into it. Yeah, I can't. I honestly can't remember how much we. we I know we talked about them last episode, but I can't remember how far down that rabbit hole we not, went. I think we yeah. did. I not, we did a, not that they're close at all, but it's we have the kind of athletes and the types of players. Yeah. Don't don't say Damian Lee's at, at an athlete. No, oh, no, athleticism. Terrible I mean, athlete. The the the, the, the uh, dimensions will will come for you. Uh, buddy, in terms of our last episode, we didn't really miss NBA news besides Donovan Mitchell. Oh my gosh, can, are you shocked as I am, Kevin? The Jazz might trade Donovan Mitchell. Who could have seen this coming? Uh, think, that's go ahead. Uh, I'm just gonna say Danny Ainge is just like he's basically like me deciding what to order for dinner. He's just like, no, I don't think I would do pizza again because I had pizza the last four nights, but. If you gave me a really good pizza place to go to, I would do pizza again. And it's just like indecision, but no one knows how to read it. And then when you hear this stuff, it's like, yeah, he's just he's just feeling everything now. And he doesn't know. I'm I'm starting to believe my conspiracy theory more, Kevin. I don't even know what it is or what I believe about it, but I believe that like just hoarding 14 first round picks is a good idea. And I can't tell why or what the reason is no. beyond what you said before. But Utah is like because apparently like the read on that is like Utah just wants four or five that was Marx's fake trade it had them with like five first round picks and in that kind of thing so it's like are they just gonna have are they gonna be the latest OKC Houston New Orleans iteration uh I'm not quite sure but the the biggest takeaway from that just 40 seconds on that is that Donovan Mitchell's expected suitors it doesn't seem like there's going to be what we prefaced two episodes ago in terms of the Western Conference power uh power shifting and that kind of thing it doesn't look like he's going anywhere like that uh it's like it's uh miami new york uh i think there's one other eastern conference team that i'm forgetting but that kind of seems to be where uh shams reported that the knicks are are have been talking about it where a, a deal centered around quentin grimes kevin remember him oh, yeah Dra- draft podcast uh love of ours who could forget him out of houston <laughs> um oh my goodness so that that's that on on that front because if it happens to the east it's just not relevant to the suns really so besides the fact that utah is going to be terrible probably especially like especially cool if it's the knicks yeah we don't yeah is this french kid like not only the next tim duncan but the next tim duncan and michael jordan and lebron james it just seems like uh, everyone's ready to suck and they're like oh yeah like it, i know teams aren't saying this but it just seems like there is this willingness to 
an excuse to suck for this kid. And then I'm like, it's not just an excuse to suck for this kid. It's like the kid is outstanding, but it's like, oh my gosh, is he the next LeBron? <laughs> like what's going on here? The the French national team, I should watch those games. They're a Kobo, baby. Yeah, he made that team. That French team's loaded. I feel anyway, the fever. Victor Wembanyama basket. Yeah, I'm I'm very very ready. Well, thank you so much for hopping on, buddy. While you're on vacation, hopefully we don't need to send the bad signal up for you. It's funny because this was an absolute whirlwind of a day where all of the stages of this story, like I said at the top, happened. And now we probably just go back to the Kevin Durant pause again. Like we're just back to that. Like it's just it's a little bit different, but it's kind of the same still. I'm I'm mentally prepared to just chill for a bit here a couple weeks at least me too yeah i need to go like watch something on my like i just need to put on new girl for six hours and just turn my brain <laughs> off or something because it was just going it was on for too long at, at too high speeds and then i'll write tomorrow on uh everything kind of everything we talked about deandre but just more specifically like you his usage and stuff so so be on the lookout for that on the site tomorrow and then we'll be back next week kevin to talk some summer suns are you in on a mod caver as I are you Olivier Sar hype man Kevin Zimmerman we'll have to wait that that's the tease for next episode folks like there's a they reason might I need don't... one of those guys when they trade for Ke- no there's a reason I don't do the teases when I fill in on the show Kevin I don't yeah. them. I don't Sam I'm not very good at don't it. don't lead it. people down this path of expectations no don't <laughs> I know it's everything's going great but All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, if anyone tells you that you're being paid by someone to say things and they're in your pockets, they're they're probably right. And you should just accept them and their reality instead of yours. Goodbye.